Hi again, everybody, moms and dads, boys and girls. You are in the Chatter Zone, the Chatter Podcast, Colleen. This is episode number... 104. And we're having our heads examined today <laughs> with Dr. Ray Garendi after we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, Remember O most gracious, gracious Virgin Mary, Mary that, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are brought to you by... The wonderful folks over at Hotworks on Holiday Drive. The only Holiday Drive in the United States with two L's. Wonder if that was a mistake, but it's everywhere on Holiday. Both signs say Holiday Drive. Two L's. Maybe they had a sale on L's that day Could and they just threw them in the name. Say hi to Melissa and thank them for sponsoring the show. Oh, we're very grateful to Melissa and her crew over there at Hotworks and they're getting us in shape one by one. <laughs> Just in time for the holidays. Yeah. Don't ask what shape I'm in. <laughs> round is a shape, my husband told me. Yeah. Round is a shape, indeed. And we have a big event on Thursday, November 2nd, over at the Grand River Center. We're bringing him back, despite the fact when he was in town last time, the entire world shut down. But um, we're bringing him back again. Rumor is it's Dr. Ray Garendi. November 2nd. Doc, you're on the line. You're in the studio by way of our uh, connection. Say hi to the Tri-States. I would love to say hi to the Tri-States. You folks in the middle of the country who are pejoratively called flyover country by the coasts, they don't know what they're talking about because that is the very core of our country. So I love the middle of the country. That's right. We're called the heartland for a reason. That's right. have to explain my comment, Ray. Um, when you were in town last time, you know, which was March of 2020, I think it was a Thursday night that, that time too, Colleen, and just as you were finishing, which was a great, a relaxing evening over at the Best Western Conference Center, Ray, what happened? The whole the whole country started shutting like a, a bunch of uh, doors on the Get Smart TV uh, intro. Remember that? Extra. When I started talking about all that was going to happen, all the repercussions mm-hmm. of these decisions mm-hmm. that have been made, yeah. oftentimes people say, well, because of COVID, and I correct it and say, because of the COVID response, mm-hmm. all these things started to happen. Who would have conceived that the people would say, okay, well, you can keep us from our loved ones in nursing homes. They can die alone. You can, you can make us take a, an experimental shot and mm-hmm. uh, we will lose our license and our military connection if we don't. Who would have thought that? Uh-huh. And as the research is starting to come out, where the risk is, and again, that Delta variant was pretty significant. I got it pretty heavy. My Did you? daughter even took me to the emergency room because she thought, Dad, what's wrong with you? I've never seen you this sick. But in fact, now with the variants, it's become, uh, well, similar 
to a cold in many respects for most people. Um, but in fact, we, we saw how we can panic. We just panicked. We shut down churches. We closed everything. You guys were the last talk I gave for a long for time. Nine, nine months. Mm. Nine months. Wow. I know. Interestingly enough, the last time I came out your way was in Kansas, mm-hmm. which was the first talk I gave after people were saying, look, we want to live life. Mm-hmm. It was in Kansas. So uh, I don't think it's no coincidence it's right there in the middle of the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you promised we're having you back because you called during that nine-month stretch and, and said, Tom, nobody else is hiring me. Will you hire me? And I said, yeah, but uh, not, not right now. But uh, oh, I got very good. I, uh, I got very good. Listen to me. Wait. You want fries with that? <laughs> we want a biggie Dr. Ray is what we want. So I yes, remember your group uh, was wonderful. They oh, were wonderful. I hope that I hope they are again. Ticket sales are going well, although uh, we need to pump them up with this show. This is going to air uh, uh, this weekend, which is the twenty-seven, eight, and nine of October, right ahead of the event. But I got to say, uh, I had a question yesterday after mass. A good friend of ours, uh, of Colleen and I, uh, came up and said. Um, and I always wonder about this. I should ask you about it, Dr. Ray. When you get a, 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 a question that says, I have a friend, uh, but I have, I have a friend who thinks uh, that Dr. Ray might be really hard-hitting, and, uh, but he's going to be more uh, uh, comedy. He's going to be more funny. It's going to be more lighthearted. And I said, oh, oh of course he is. Of course he is. But I always wonder when someone comes up, Doc, and says, uh, uh, I have a friend. What say you? What's the show going to be like? It isn't going to be just a stand-up comedy act, although people have told me it could be. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't offer thoughts and insights and ideas and techniques to help people in between the humor, then why don't you just go see a comedian? You'll be entertained, but you won't come away with anything of substance. I find it fascinating the question that that woman asked. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the more common negative responses I got when I started on Catholic Radio about 20 years ago was something along these lines. You know, when I first heard you, I didn't like you at all. <laughs> I thought, who is this guy? What does he think he is? And then... They, many of them later said, oh, I just love the show. I love, and I said, wait a minute, I didn't change. I'm exactly the same as I was then. What changed? Well, I saw that a lot of what you were doing was, was for the humorous effect, and you weren't serious when you were talking about your overwhelming humility and all of that. <laughs> I, think, I think there is a stereotype of a Christian How's that? And well, it's it's what I call the very soft spoken. Oh my, yes, that's so frustrating. I see. So so, can 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 we talk about this? Maybe we can pray about this. A very kind of gentle sort of empathic kind of uh, soft speaking approach. And obviously, that's not me. I'm a guy. 
And yeah, I can be pretty forthright. But yet at the same time, somebody said once, they said, well, you're sarcastic. And I said, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I said, I said, there's a big difference between sarcasm and teasing someone. Sure, sure. You tease someone in good humor because you like them, you care for them, you want to draw attention to them. A sarcasm is a putting them down. Right, right. Mm. One of the other things that's happening is this, guys. The parenting landscape has become a lot less confident authoritarian. I'm sorry, authoritative, use that word, than it used to be two generations ago. So as a result, many of the younger parents are parenting their children with a looseness a freedom, let's all just get along, come, let us reason together. And the interesting thing about all that is anybody who sounds different than that in giving parent suggestions mm -hmm. can sound like a real contrast. I mean, what is this guy? You know, he's a throwback. He's an autocrat. When in fact, you know, the interesting thing about this, guys, is that many of these younger, enlightened kind of parents call it gentle parenting, mm -hmm. they come to my office and they come because they're frustrated. They're not liking their child. They're not enjoying parenthood because all these ideas that they think are so kind and gentle without backup discipline generally don't work. And so inevitably they get frustrated. And inevitably this, this three-year-old becomes a seven-year-old who isn't so cute anymore when he pushes on him. So that's, I think that's a little bit of what that lady was saying, which is, yeah, I don't know. He seems kind of straightforward here. Is he gonna, is he just gonna be nice or is he, is he gonna like throw an uppercut? I thought, I thought uh, getting to know, it's, it's an acquired taste. Getting to know Dr. Ray is an acquired taste. <laughs> what acquired taste? Oh, are you talking about broccoli, kale? What are you talking no, no, about no. here? It's a fine you don't have to have acquired taste for chocolate cake. It's a, it's a fine uh, scotch or bourbon or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, But back on your point, um, some parents... And, I, and I'm not around a lot of them, but I, I think some sometimes don't parents try to teach their or treat their children like they are uh, adults and reason with them and forget that the fact that they're two, three, and four years old, right? Forty to fifty years ago, probably with the beginning of Doctor Spock, although he was just a trickle in the flood. Sure. We approached raising children as, rather than you set limits, you have expectations, and you enforce them, mm -hmm. which makes for peace for everybody when you do that. Right. I always tell parents, when you're confident in your authority, you don't have to use it very often, and you discipline less. When you are not confident in your authority, and you try to reason with the child, you're going to get frustrated, and then you really won't have authority, and you'll be mean. So... One of the things that's happened is we've came up with we've come up with so so many new and enlightened psychological notions, win-win scenarios, saying five plus statements for every negative statement for maximum self-esteem results. Come, let us reason together. All of these things 
which are holding themselves out as the new, sophisticated, enlightened, educated way to raise children. And all the people who came before us just fell short. They just didn't have the experts guiding them along. And I'll tell you guys, I've counseled a lot of experts because they're not enjoying their children. <laughs> I, I totally agree. As, as you were talking, I was thinking about what's happened in the past, uh, like you say, 40, 50 years about parenting and how Dr. Spock was a trickle. Um, do you personally, like, uh, what has formed your approach to parenting? Um, was it um, who's the guy, John Rosemond? Was it some of those other other pioneers or was it your own parents or who kind of formed you in your approach to parenting? Interesting thing about Rosemond, Colleen. Rosemond, I believe, is a social worker and Rosemond will readily admit that mm -hmm. he tried to raise, I think he had two girls. He tried to raise his girls according to the new and enlightened way and it blew up in his face. Mm. Oops. So, and he came to the conclusion that the average grandmother had more parenting sense than many, many of the experts. And Roseman realized that the traditional ideas work pretty well. So his, his was a reaction to trying to raise his children according to the new and enlightened ways. You ask Colleen what shaped me. Uh, reality shaped me. Hmm. I started working with kids right out of grad school, consulted to school districts, Head Start programs, juvenile courts, worked in two mental health centers, saw hundreds and hundreds of parents. And I saw what worked and what didn't work. I saw their frustration. I saw the really bright parents who tried to do it all psychologically correctly and were not enjoying their kids at all. I saw parents who didn't have any discipline skills. So as a consequence, they were yellers and screamers and arguers and threateners and naggers. So reality shaped me into saying, let's do this, let's not do that and see how that works. Now, fortunately, I have the opportunity to visit with parents many times. So if somebody comes into my office complaining about their nine-year-old and we talk, well, they come back two weeks later and I get to ask, okay, so what's going on now? How did that work? How did it not work? What happened here? So I can follow it up mm -hmm. and get an everyday look at whether this stuff actually is better for their house. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm more convinced now, Colleen, than I ever was when I came out of grad school, that so many of the traditional ideas of discipline and raising children not only work, but they raise better kids and much more pleasant households. Okay, so you were trained in one school of counseling and, and therapy, and then you hit the ground running and saw what worked and what didn't, and then you did your own kind of studies based on advice you were giving parents and seeing if it worked or not. So I think that's pretty good credentials. Ray, we got about uh, well, 60. Well, I have 10 children. Oh, yeah, and 10 <laughs> children. And, and 10 children. <laughs> that would help. Yeah. We got about 60 seconds to the first break, Ray. Um, 
as I'm listening to you and Colleen in the conversation, I'm not hearing anybody else talking about kids and parenting and grandparenting like what you're doing here. Uh, is there anybody else that subscribes to the uh, Dr. Ray doctrine? They're out there. Uh, more often than not, they tend to be therapists who have had a lot of experience working mm -hmm. with parents and kids. Right. And by and large, the research supports this. It says when you want to change a kid's behavior, especially if it's behavior problems, you got to work with the parents. You're not going to get some nine-year-old to say, Dr. Ray, might you give me some uh, reciprocal suggestions for my anger management issues? No, mm -hmm. you got to deal with the big people. That's where the change takes place. Mm, very good. And that is just one of the tidbits from Dr. Ray Garendi that you will hear if you are in person with us on November 2nd at the Grand River Center. We'll have Dr. Ray in town. He will make it fun. The title's Laughter, the Sanity, the Family. And yet we will all learn something in between the laughter. So I hope you join us. Tickets are available at kcrd-fm.org. So bring a whole table of your friends and we'll have a good evening um, laughing and learning a little bit. So we will be back with our next uh, segment with Dr. Ray Garendi. You're listening to The Chatter on KCRD 98.3 FM. We're back. We're in the studios of FM 98.3 KCRD, and this is the KCRD Chatter Podcast. Dr. Ray Garendi is our guest. He's got a big event Thursday, November 2nd. He's back for the second time in, um, I think it was 2020. So it's time to have him back. It is four time years. to have him back. Yeah. And, and his show is one of the favorite shows. We hear from our listeners a lot that they love. Dr. Ray show called The Doctor Is In. It's Monday through Thursday on 98.3 at noon, noon to one. Um, and I know I've mentioned this before, but when we do the consecration and it starts at noon and then we cut in and we pick up where the show's going on, we, we hear comments about, stop interrupting Dr. Ray. Put Dr. Ray back on. Stop that praying. <laughs> I don't know if Dr. Ray knows what. So we, we do Marian consecrations throughout the year, Doc. And they conclude on a Marian feast day. So there's several throughout the year. And this loyal fan of Dr. Ray writes in here, can you do something different? You keep interrupting Dr. Ray. He starts <laughs> late here. And, and um, I can't think of the woman's name right now, Doc, but I, uh, I sent her some complimentary tickets, and I hope she comes because she's sitting at your dinner table. <laughs> well, Tom, in the interest of... Uh, self-disclosure yes they have these they have these uh, I guess they're some kind of apps or something where they can make my male voice sound like a female are you so, kidding so well it could be me you know, calling in <laughs> saying hey quit interrupting the guy <laughs> oh, or it's your you. wife calling in 
No, she wouldn't say quit interrupting. Oh. <laughs> She'd say, hey, a little more Marian devotionals, please. Yeah. Oh, um, that's funny. Well, I've got your website pulled up here. It's drray.com. And on your homepage, it says Confident Parenting, Stronger Marriages, and Better Families. That's quite the lineup. That's well, a trifecta. you got to have a sales pitch. Yeah, you got to have a sales pitch. So as know? I saw all those, I was kind of wondering, what is your favorite um, question or client or issue to discuss? Is it parenting? Is it marriages? Tell me, what is, what is your favorite kind of client? Let me parse the word favorite. Okay. Mm. If you're talking about effectiveness, where I feel like I can be most helpful... It is generally with parents of younger kids, say under 11, who are frustrated because of behavior and discipline problems, where the parents note the most dramatic improvement. Hmm. They'll say things like, it's like I'm living with a different child. I don't know who this is. He's Hmm. much more affectionate. He's much more pleasant. I can't believe this. Because they were convinced that they had this little demon seed that nobody on God's earth could raise. You know, they just got stuck with this kid. When in fact, we make some adjustments to their parenting style, and usually the effects are dramatic. Now, what do I most like to deal with? I would say probably anxiety. Mm. Anxiety is the number one referral to clinicians in frequency. And in a lot of respects, especially panic attacks or phobias, those kinds of anxieties, they're relatively easy to deal with. Uh, they're much easier to deal with, for example, than a personality disorder. You know, somebody who's been antisocial and he's 54 years old, or somebody who has addictions and he's 39. Mm-hmm. So those are tough. Those, mm-hmm. That's uphill. What is the most frustrating one I deal with? Okay, this might surprise you. Marriage counseling. Hmm. Sometimes I want to say to these folks, didn't you used to like each other once? Wow. Hmm. Wasn't there a time when you got along? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. A marriage can be very, very frustrating. There was almost a time way back when I decided to stop doing it. Hmm. Um, but I... I, I, I Plotted onward, and I uh, still do marriage counseling, but it does give me a twitch sometimes. Well, as you're talking, I'm wondering stronger marriages. I bet a lot of times the trouble in a marriage is over parenting. Oh, heavens, yes. Uh, if you look at the research on second marriages, if you want to call them a marriage, a second, second partnership, if you will, that falls apart, there's three factors. Kids, his, mine, and ours. Kids, all the dynamics of that. Mm -hmm. Finances and family. Mm -hmm. Ex-family, ex-spouse, new family, all of that. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, the divorce rate for second marriages is 66%. Wow. Yeah. So it it isn't generally the rule that oh, okay, I had a miserable first marriage, I'm in a second marriage now, and I'm very, very happy. You know, that happens, of course. But if you just look at the statistics, second marriages fail more often than first. Hmm. Wow. 
Wow. That's interesting. Our guest is Dr. Ray Garendi. He's the host of The Doctor Is In on um, EWTN Radio. He's out of Canton, Ohio, and uh, you hear him uh, at noon, uh, Monday through Thursday, here on KCRD. He was in Dubuque uh, a couple years ago. i got to believe a lot of people are coming back. There were people that didn't want to leave the hotel, the conference room that night. They were just staying, hanging around, mm-hmm. milling. Um, there were a lot of belly laughs that went on that night. Do you remember that, Colleen? Mm-hmm. I do. I remember thinking, I don't remember people staying this long before. No. No one wanted to leave. And he's coming great. back. We still have tickets November 2nd. Here's a customer service call if you need some help. 563-231-3545. That's our ticket hotline customer help. You'll likely get a voicemail. Leave leave a voicemail and one of our friendly, helpful ticket people will help you. <laughs> Might be me. Yeah, it could be you. Now, I mentioned I'm on Dr. Ray's website and I see a lot of books. So how many books have you written? Well, Colleen, I have learned the secret <laughs> to writing a lot of books. Yes. You can't worry about them being very good. <laughs> no, I've, I've written 17, and uh, wow. I just am wow. finishing up 18. As a matter of fact, this morning I was putting the final touches on the last chapter of 18. Usually it takes me about a year to write a book because I edit and re-edit and edit and re-edit, and mm-hmm. I handwrite it with pencil and paper. Wow, old school. Well... There's research that says, now it's coming out, that when you put your hand with a pencil or pen to paper, there is somewhat of a mysterious connection between that movement and your brain. And I notice that when I go back and I just decide, okay, I'm going to take what I've written and I'm simply going to start and rewrite it. And I'll just kind of edit it as I rewrite it. Things pop into my head. Hmm. Better words, a better turn of the phrase, Hmm. uh, more succinct language. Uh, Somebody once said, if something is easy to read, it was very hard to write. And that's true. I will edit edit a chapter sometimes as much as 20 times. Wow. Before I say, yeah, before I say, okay, that says what I wanted to say succinctly the real problem is and the amateur writers fall into this you get too wordy Mm. you just these sentences are too long they're drawn out you can condense them and say the exact same thing in a much more snappy way the other thing is this now you guys know that i use a lot of humor in the talk Mm -hmm. well the books have humor in them too Mm. and it takes a while to come up with a humorous way to say something that just doesn't come right off of your pen. Hmm. You got to sometimes go through the same section of a book six, eight, ten times before you say, wait a minute, I just thought of a way to say that that'll get somebody to giggle. I thought you were ad- time. I thought you were ad-libbing all this time, right? <laughs> no, it's who, work, my friend. Who, who was it that said if I had more time, I, had, I would have written you a shorter letter? Yes, that's exactly right. That's very true. (laughs) So what is your 18th book about? 
it is well I'm, i don't want to give away the title because interestingly come enough on, I, just, come on. I just got the reader's digest for this month and they <laughs> had an article with almost the exact same title oh, um, no. but they approached it very differently than i approached it so it's 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 going to be about getting along with people hmm so not not along. parenting per se or marriages per no. se, but just getting along with people in general, right. coworkers. Oh. Yes. Okay. Now, many of the books I've ha- I have a book called uh, Thinking Like Jesus, and I have a book called Jesus the Master Psychologist. I have a book called Living Calm. Mm-hmm. I have a book called When Faith Causes Family Friction. So many of these books are generic kind of life books, rather than parenting. Yeah, I got about five or six different kinds of parenting books. But uh, I, I shifted away from that probably a few years back. The most recent one on parenting, and Colleen, you were talking about this during the break, is the influence of the media culture in shaping our children. Ooh, yeah. hot yeah. topic. Yeah. Hot topic. Hot topic. So what are you seeing? What are the trends? And is it, is it social media? Is it uh, broadcast mass media? What, what's the, the big trigger right now, Ray? Parents will ask me, what is the one thing I could do that would sabotage my parenting more than any other single thing? I said, oh, that's very easy. Get them a smartphone. Really? You, you, you put the universe in their hands. It is unbelievably entertaining, unbelievably seductive, unbelievably immoral. It, even if you have a kid, for example, that doesn't go where they shouldn't go. And by the way, little stat here. Uh, one survey said that boys between the ages of 11 and 19 what percentage do you think have seen pornography? Hmm. I'll bet it's in the 80 percentile. Yeah. You're very close. It's 90. Wow. What's, so the, see, what's, the, what's the average age of first exposure to pornography for an American male? About uh, 8 to 11. Wow, that's third grade, 8. Mm-hmm. Third, wow. third yeah. graders are seeing pornography mm-hmm. for the first time wow. on their wow. phone. On their phones. Now, the average age of a phone is about nine right now. Now, I know of the people listening to this, they are religious, they are faith-filled, they want to raise a kid with virtues counter to the prevailing virtues of our culture. Sure. And even among them, even among them, if they have a 13-year-old, yeah. I would say that 50 to 75% of them already have smartphones. Already. Mm-hmm. The so, question is not when will it do damage. The question is not if it will do damage. The question is when. Hmm. So, Ray, I got to ask you why? Why do these parents that you just talked about, the, our listeners, this is a Catholic station, although we're finding Ray, <clears throat> excuse me, we're finding that maybe as many as forty percent of the listeners are Christian. There, there are uh, other denominations other than Catholic. What possesses a parent or or husband and wife, mother and father, what possesses them to give them this smartphone to these 8, 9, 13, 15-year-old children? What, what 
is the motivation? Multiple motivations, Tom. First of all, the biggest one is the flow of the culture. If 90% of 14-year-olds have a smartphone and your kid doesn't, yeah. you're going to get grief from your peers. They're going to give you all kinds of grief. You're going to worry about their socialization because that's how other kids contact them now. So to stand strong against those kinds of numbers, it takes unbelievable resolve. That's the first thing. Second thing is that in doing this, the culture makes you, for example, when my daughter was a freshman, mm -hmm. uh, all of her coaches texts for practices came to smartphones, all of them. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we basically gave the coach my wife's number. Okay. That's, that's what we did. We didn't give, we didn't give Liz her own phone. Right. Now she was 14 years old. She was the only kid in the whole school that age who didn't have one. Wow. Do you realize what you have to do as a parent to stand up against that? Three parents are afraid. They're afraid that their kids will hate them, resent them, get sneaky, lie to them. They're afraid of all kinds of psychological damage. If they stand their ground and say, no, this is not a good thing right now. Now this, I, I tell parents, there's a little interesting test. A lot of times the kids will say, and the parents will say that their main motive is, well, for safety purposes, mm -hmm. you know, I need to know where they are and I need to be able to contact them at any time. And you know, sometimes plans change and practice went late. And I say, okay, ask them if they want a flip phone mm -hmm. with no internet. Oh, oh, no. What? So not, no, there's no way I'm having one of those. So it's really not a safety I, I, issue. No, not at all. That's what's used as a justification right, by the kids right. and oftentimes by the parents. But no, it's not a safety issue. I mean, you can get all kinds of phones that are secure. You can get phones that have passwords. You can get phones that you can only operate at certain times. Teachers will tell you these kids are coming to school so tired because they take their phones to bed. Mm -hmm. And they're on them half the night or some message comes in and wakes them up. This is routine. And I, I hate to say this, but many parents are flat out clueless until, until something happens. What they are those? find out that they're... What are oh, those some sext, things? Sexting. That's big. Really? Sending pictures. Oh, yeah. Sending pictures. Or language. Or... This 12-year-old is madly in love with this kid at school uh -huh. because they've been texting for the last six months. And mom's thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. She knows we're not, we're not allowing opposite-sex relations until she's 16. Mm -hmm. Well, she's been having one for the last six months right under your nose. Mm -hmm. This happens. It's routine. Here's the other thing. Even if, even if, let's say, that the phone is not misused. Mm -hmm. And I would say that happens about maybe only 10% of the time that it's not. But given that they're at grandpa's birthday party and everybody's singing happy birthday to grandpa and that little 13 year old is over in the corner on her phone, totally immersed in who she's talking to, where she's gone, TikTok, picking up social media, et cetera, et cetera, while everybody's singing happy birthday to grandpa. 
it, they withdraw from the present. They're mm. not present. Mm. So they don't the have the they don't have the skills to socialize, is what I'm hearing. No, that's definitely dampens it. That's absolutely. Can we pick that up? I am so. I'm yeah. After the break, I'm we're, so against smartphones. We get, we got to hit a break, Ray, and okay. I think I think we got to go deeper on this socialization, mm-hmm. don't you, mm-hmm. Colleen? Mm-hmm. We got to do yeah. it. We're brought to you by Hotworks on Holiday Drive. Stop by and see Melissa, and um, please log on to KCRD fm.org we still have tickets for thursday november 2nd if you uh, need some uh, if you need a concierge for dr ray we have one at 563-231-3545 and we'll be back with episode three of uh, do you know what uh, number this is 104 104 our, 104. our 104th episode doc we'll be right back after these announcements on kcrd We're in the studios. We got Dr. Ray. We had to hold him over for the break, Colleen, because we were just getting into that uh, socialization, the uh, cell phones, what it's what it's going on, uh, and and how it's uh, impacting. Ray, where do, where do we pick that up at? You were just about ready to open the can of worms. I was raking leaves when the neighbor fella came to me and said, "Did you see a 15-year-old girl go through here?" I said, no. He said, oh, my daughter just ran away. So I finished raking my leaves about an hour or two later. Yeah. I went to his house. I knocked on the door. I said, is there anything I can do to help? He said, uh, well, no. I said, you took her cell phone, didn't you? He goes, how did you know? Hmm. You- I go, because the number one intense reaction, you'd think they're take- you're taking their kidney is when you attempt to take that cell phone because it's been used, misused, or it's overused, or it's coming to dominate a child's life, and you cut back on it, or you take it for some period of time, mm-hmm. they go crazy. Parents will tell me, I've never seen my child react like this. Never. Screaming, kicking, refusing to give me the phone. This is unbelievable. I said, well, they're telling you how quote-unquote addicted they become to it. Mm. They have to have it. How do I talk to my friends? How do I talk to my friends? And I always say, wow, you mean you don't go to school? You mean you, you, you can't call somebody? It's, it's, it's phenomenal. They basically have decided this is communication now, and you better let me have it, because if you don't, I'll go crazy on you. So this is a visceral reaction to the... the um taking away the privilege or, or whatever you want to call it, their cell phone. So they're reacting physically, mentally, oh, emotionally. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it they really, so an addiction. So like withdrawal and um, an addict mm-hmm. who would do anything to get their mm-hmm. addiction to their cell phone back. Their fix. Yeah. What are we getting? Well, or- let's fast forward this. Let's yeah. fast forward this. 
Right now, because of our audience, because our audience are generally faith-filled people sure. who have raised their children, the number one referral I get, both in my office and on the show, sure. is parents devastated because their kids have left the faith. Mm-hmm. The kids have rejected it. They've neglected it. They're hostile toward it. They've yeah. written mom and dad off. They want no part of the family, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The parents will say to me in my office, they'll say, I, I, don't, know, I don't know who they are. I, I, I didn't raise them that way. And I'll say, I believe you. I know you didn't. However, you underestimated what did the phone is the leader, but you've also got the computer, you've got media, you've mm-hmm. got entertainment, you've got all of this shaping how a kid thinks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's much more entertaining than a parent. It's much more seductive than a parent. It's much more fast moving than a parent. This is part of the reason why you don't see that many adolescents in church. Because father, poor father, looks like he's in slow motion compared to the world they live in. Hmm. Lift up your hearts. Mm -hmm. And the kids are standing there thinking, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over? This Mm -hmm. is a yawn fest. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And parents underestimate what the culture does in shaping the kids away from the way they were raised. Mm -hmm. Well, Ray, i got to ask you, so you've you've just hit on Something we've talked about many times, Colleen, that's the number one call we get is pray for my children and my grandchildren. They've left the faith. So, Ray, you've just connected the dots that uh, an adolescent or, or young 20-something, because it's been going on for a few generations now, um, they're not getting it in mass. What, what also, then, is happening in our school systems because of... I used, to, yeah, I used to tell people, Tom, that homeschooling is yeah. one option. Yeah. Now I tell them, if you can homeschool, homeschool. Mm. Unless you have a very faithfully Catholic school mm-hmm. in your area. Yeah. If you have that, that will be on your side. If you don't recognize that a lot of kids navigate the public school system because they're temperamentally mature or they're not followers you know a lot of kids do however if if you want to postpone your child's worldliness Mm -hmm. one of the one of the reasons that uh, i i was consulting to the school districts at the time we had our first couple of kids and my wife wanted to homeschool yeah my son and daughter were in second and first grade and I said, you know, honey, I'm, I'm in the schools. I mean, that, that doesn't, that's not going to look real good, the guy that consults the school districts having his wife homeschool. And I watched in trepidation the innocence that was being stripped from my second and first grader. Wow. This and is a family show. I can't tell you what they came home with. In second and first but grade. Second and first grade. In a parochial oh. school, too. Oh. And I told my wife, I said, yes, I told my wife, I said, bring him home, bring him home. I want my seven-year-old to be a seven-year-old. I don't want him to know that. I don't want him to be having to be worried about that. I, I, I bring him home. And what it did is it, it gave them a longer childhood is what it did. Mm-hmm. 
And the idea that, well, they're not going to have any socialization is just absurd. And the research doesn't support it. The research says the kids that are homeschooled are more socialized. They're better socialized because they aren't being socialized by 22 other third graders. Mm -hmm. They're being socialized across the spectrum. And if you call socialization morals and values and virtue and maturity, well, that's mom and dad's job, mm -hmm. not a, a fourth grade class. So I tell parents, be very, very careful. Now let's fast forward again. Bill Maher, of all people, just <laughs> came out and said, don't send your kid to college. I saw that. Wow. Yes because he said basically they're indoctrination camps. And in many respects, they are. Now, here's, what, here's how we handle that yeah, problem. Yeah, 100,000 a year, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I always tell parents. I say, okay, so they're gonna go get a bachelor's in something. They're gonna come out with forty to $50,000 in loans. Mm -hmm. They're gonna start at $39,000 a year. Mm -hmm. They're gonna be stuck with those loans. And oh, by the way, they lost their faith. Mm -hmm. I saw a statistic that said, 85% of kids who go away to college lose their faith. 85%? Yeah, that's sky high. I used, to, I used to hear 50, but I heard a recent one, 85. So, so given that, what I tell parents is this. I say, okay, we got several things to consider. One, if you can, at the very least, the first year or two, have them go locally. Have to, them live at home and to college. To, to mm -hmm. college? Yes, absolutely. Secondly, if it is a technical course, like my son was in engineering. Yeah. So he, the couple of the local schools didn't offer engineering. So he went to a, a school 30 miles away, but he didn't live on campus. He wanted to, but he didn't because no, no, he's, he's going to in fact stay at home. And, and that worked out real well. My daughter who got into a special program for ROTC, she wanted to be a lifer in the military. Mm -hmm. She went away to school. But it was a, a woman's leadership program, which you couldn't get anywhere else. And she also turned 18 and they paid for everything. So basically she could have told me, dad, I'm going to do it whether you want me to or not. Well, fortunately, she kept her faith because she's reasonably mature. But I tell parents, you consider all these things. Don't automatically go, oh, you know, he likes that one school in, uh, in uh, southwest uh, Washington State. Oh, he really loves that school. Mm -hmm. Uh, how's he know? Well, he likes the trees. You know, the way those trees are along the <laughs> footpath there. And uh, he said they have a pretty good party life there. And uh, he really wants to go. He's got his heart set on that because this girl he's dating went there. I tell parents, 20 years ago, I was not this, what you might call extreme. But I am now because I've had 20 more years of watching these kinds of outcomes for parents and the broken hearts and the loss of faith and the kids who are coming out of school. Here's an interesting statistic. What? Approximately 50% of kids who graduate college, and which, by the way, the four-year degree is kind of a thing of the past. It's taken a lot more than that. But 50% of the kids who graduate college don't work in their degree field upon graduation. Half? 50%? And four, you're not probably going to work in your degree field anyway. Except if it's a technical field that you had to have that kind of training, like my son, an engineer, mm -hmm. so he's an engineer. Yeah, but engineering accountant. In essence, 
So, yeah. mm-hmm. Ray, I know I can't paint you into a corner, but uh, four minutes ago you were talking about homeschooling. You and Randy were homeschooling, and, and uh, I know you can't speak about it, but you can warn parents. What should they look for? I mean, it's just shocking. Uh, first, second, third graders being indoctrinated. What was the phrase you used? Stripped of their innocence. What What should parents be w- looking for? What are the red flags that you saw? That can you share any of that? You can no longer assume that what your child is learning, being taught, or exposed to at school is on your side. There is, uh, I forget the numbers right now. It last I saw was 3.2 million, but it's higher than that now. Yeah. That's the number of children who go to schools where the official policy is, if you wish to transition, we will not tell your parents. Wow. Now, interestingly enough, even when the school district doesn't have a policy like that. Unfortunately, many teachers do. Hmm. And they think it is, is their prerogative, their duty, their virtue, if you will, to say, okay, well, this is, this is how you're thinking right now. We won't explore it, and we certainly won't tell your parents because they won't understand. So I say to parents, you better be very aware of what is going on in your child's education. You can no longer say, well, you know, I send them to school and the school thinks like I do. Are, are you suggesting, though, what you just said, Ray, that that is happening in grades one, two, and three? Yes. Many parents are shell-shocked when they see what the sexual education programs teach, especially in some of our more liberal states. Sure. You would be stunned at what is being taught at the lower grade levels regarding children, their bodies, their preferences, their expression of sexuality, what is considered appropriate, uh, you would be shocked. I have friends who work in this field and they are doing everything they can to bring it to light. Well, I think what happened too, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when COVID hit and schools started doing Zoom learning or in virtual learning, whatever they called it, I think then parents started getting a glimpse of what was being taught and said um, as they walked through the room. Didn't that happen or am I remembering wrong? You're remembering right, Colleen. Unfortunately, that's still only a small number of parents. Hmm. So, so it was most parents. It's it's like politicians. We we don't like politicians. They have an approval rating of twelve percent. But our guy's a pretty good guy. Uh-huh. That's how most people view education. Hmm. Same we, thing. We really are nervous about what education has become. But our school is okay. Hmm. Now you've said a lot of things that are true based on what we have seen and heard from our friends and, and relatives, but we're a hopeful show. So what if there's a listener thinking, I've done all mm-hmm. the wrong things. My kid has done that. There's no hope. It's all over. What, how, what kind of hope can you give us for turning it around or planting some seeds um, if parents have made some of those mistakes in the past? I wouldn't call them mistakes. I'd, I'd call them basically underestimating. Mm-hmm. A couple of things. One, 
I've often said to people, if my kids go astray, I want it to be because they went through me, not because I stepped aside. So that's the first thing I tell parents. Stand strong. Your way is the good way. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you're giving your kids a moral system so that if they reject it and leave it, it's still there. So as they go out into the world and they find out that the world's ways don't work very well, they've got an alternative that mom and dad gave them on how to look at life, how to look at God, mm. how to be spiritual. That's two. Three, many kids by their nature, by their temperament, are not that easily influenced. When my daughter went away to college and there was some goofy stuff happened and she simply said, well, they're nuts. And that's just the way she looked at it and it didn't affect her at all. So a lot of kids are sturdy that way. Mm. Fourth, give the faith in love. For example, I always tell this to people, especially dads. It's my message for dads. If you have standards that are way out of sync with the cultures, mm -hmm. and religious people do, sure, you better be affectionate as hell with that kid. Mm. You better hug that kid, love that kid, kiss that kid. When my son played basketball, we sent him to uh, Catholic high school. Mm -hmm. He played basketball before the games. I would go down on the bleacher floor yeah. and I didn't interfere with practice or anything and I hugged him and kissed him right, right there <laughs> because there's no way that boy was not going to know his old man loved him. And I asked him one time, I said, Petey, did that bother you when I do that? He said, oh, Dad, even if it did, it wouldn't make any difference, would it? I said, nope, <laughs> no, it wouldn't. And he told me later, he said, a couple of his teammates came up and said, I wish my dad would do that. Mm. There you go. Mm. Yeah, so I tell dads, you've got to have high standards. You better really be affectionate and loving. Mm. Very good. That's just one snippet of what you will hear when we have Dr. Ray in Dubuque on Thursday, November 2nd at the Grand River Center. Um, if you don't have your tickets yet, there's still time to get tickets, kcrd-fm.org. And I, I assure you, you will not be disappointed in the, the evening, the talk. It'll be a great, the, great night with that's Dr. Right, Ray. It will be. 563-231-3545 for ticket customer service. Dr. Ray, it's been wonderful. We're going to see you real soon. And we're going to end right now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father and, and to the, the Son and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit. As, As it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, now and, and ever shall be, be world without end. end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks to everybody over at Hot Works on Holiday Drive. Tune in again next week. We love you.